So hello and welcome to the ninth episode of the Living the Dream podcast, a podcast for real estate agents that discusses strategies to grow your business to its maximum potential, while at the same time, making sure that you are in control of your career and have a time to live a balanced life. So I'm your host, Linus Kilius. I'm the head of business development at Homania. And with me as always is the co-host of the podcast and broker and general manager of Century 21 Heritage Group, Aaron Richardson. Aaron, how's hey, it going Linus. today? Hey, it's going well. I got my uh, fix in this week of all the sports uh, with the Super Bowl and then the Leafs last night. It's been a great week. <laughs> I feel really bad because I didn't, I, I totally forgot about the Super Bowl until like it was going on and <laughs> I just totally missed it. I feel like I, I have to watch it for whatever reason, even though I'm not like a big football fan, I'm more of a hockey guy. But still, I missed the whole game this year, which was a little unfortunate, but hey, what can you do? Well, I'm smiling a little bit better today with the 11th win in a row with the Leafs, so I'm happy yeah, about that. You know what? That's always a nice surprise. You know, maybe it will be uh, a, a Stanley Cup this year would be really nice too. And last time they won was in 1967, which was the year before the, our guest today started in real estate. So maybe he was the curse that started this whole Leafs drought. <laughs> but we'll get that to, into that in a sec. Just to tell everyone what we're talking about, the, the world is constantly changing. Technology is constantly pushing forward. And it seems like almost every day there's this new app, this new social network, this new way of creating virtual tours, new technology, right? It's, it's everywhere. There's always something being pushed in front of your face as a real estate agent that you're told it's going to like help take your business to that next level. And while these tools are great and they definitely can help you in your business, it's always important to remember that they're, they're really just tools. Michelangelo, he wasn't great because he had the greatest chisel, right? And Leonardo da Vinci, he wasn't the best painter or one of the most famous painters in the world because he had a better paintbrush than everybody else. At the end of the day, it comes down to the person wielding the tools. It comes down to their skills. It comes down to their hard work and their talent. It always comes back to the basics of what makes for a good real estate agent. If you want to be successful, it starts and it ends with this. When we want to talk to someone about how to thrive through changing landscapes, there is no one better to talk to than Barry Lebo, realtor and broker of Remax Ultimate Realty. Barry has been in the industry since, the, since just after the Leafs won their last cup, 1968. And I think it's safe to say Barry's probably seen about it all. His CV is so long, it took me almost a week to sift through all the awards and accomplishments. There are very few people in this industry as accomplished, as respected, and well-regarded as Barry. Barry, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for inviting me. Barry, I got... I, I gave Barry a call the other day. It was the most, my, most exciting conversation, most amazing conversation I had with Barry because I have never heard any stories about my grandfather. And when I introduced myself to Barry and, you know, of course, being on social media, you can't not bump into Barry and, and his great advice. And the uh, first thing out of Barry's mouth was, oh, I know your grandfather and I got to tell you a story. And, uh, and of course, he went in to tell me a story about how he got into the real estate industry and about my grandfather and how he helped. And so I got to thank you, Barry. First of all, I'm glad I made that phone call. I had never met you before, but I'm super glad that uh, I had that opportunity. Well, I worked, you know, not only was your grandfather the registrar of real estate that actually said to me, young man, 
you've got one year selling real estate and two years mortgage brokerage. If you could challenge that exam and you could pass it, you've got, I was a salesman, but I wanted to be a broker. And in those days, there were no courses, nothing. You went in and you went in and you just wrote it. And um, I mean, to be a salesman, there was a one week course, but not to be a broker. How we got, it was, it was a tough exam. We, there was nothing to study from. You just sort of tried to, you know, and I did, I passed. I, I think I got a remarkable mark of like 75, you know, which is the, the one more, one less mark <laughs> and I wouldn't be talking to you as a broker today. But um, what was really interesting is when you're years later, when your grandfather, they brought in the continuing education in Ontario, um, the very first courses were the ARIA courses. And he asked me, because he knew I knew mortgage brokerage, and I guess I was the only person he knew in that industry at that time, even though I was back selling. I had a real estate brokerage and a mortgage brokerage, because in those days, we had both licenses together. And if times were, t I actually had a seminar for realtors called how to use the other half of your license, teaching them how to set up a mortgage department so that if sales are slow, you've got a second source of income. And some brokers did so well, they stopped selling real estate, <laughs> just did mortgages. Um, but you're, we, I wrote, um, I was on, we had a committee. Um, I did everything but the CMHC part. And we, I wrote a course called Principles of Mortgage Financing. And I was 26, I think. And um, I wrote that course. Then your grandfather and, his, and the people of Maria sent it out to be cleaned up, grammar, you know, style and everything. And um, I was proud of myself because um, I only went to grade 10. I didn't go to grade 10. I didn't finish grade 10. So I wrote the textbook. And uh, it was kind of, you know, a proud moment of my life. So your, and your grandfather was such a nice guy to me. I sat with him for a year or so on committee. So What a great, we what a great story. <laughs> well, from there, we took all the courses, all of us. Um, I mean, we started, I mean, Andrew Zimmerman, of course, who, who, who started Home Life, we, we went together all the way through and took all those courses, the mandatory courses. We were the first, we were, we took every one of the courses as the first people to ever take them. We were the, we were the, we were beta. I mean, God, and, and the instructors were terrible because they, nobody had ever learned how to instruct this stuff. And, but we learned, <laughs> we learned so much. Really sounds like the wild west of real estate back back then, the, how things have changed. And so, so Barry, how how have things? Well, I mean, I, I know we all know how things have changed over the years, oh. but like, how has the industry as a whole like how is it different today than it was back in the '60s and '70s? Like, there's I'm sure there's a lot of similarities, a lot of differences. But what what do you have to say about that? Well, we we lost something. We, we there's some idiot, and I'll say this. Without being, um, I don't care if who's it falls on, and this is directed at Korea. That's not North Korea, South Korea. That's <laughs> Korea and Ottawa. And what idiot let the public have MLS.ca? And that started with NAR in the States, too. We were the keepers of the gates. That's the, the one thing that you sell in a, in, in a modern world. The person, he or she, with the data and the information is the keeper of the gate. That's what people want today. You, you've got to sell information. And we gave it away. We weighed it wide open. Yeah, we got dribs and drabs and you can't get a sold and you can't. But that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And that's number one. Number two, 
Um, you know, I came into Treb, there were 4,500 members in the Toronto Real Estate Board. That was about it. Now it's like a child was born the other day at Toronto General Hospital and the parents had a real bad decision. Do they get apply for a mortgage broker's license for the kid or a real estate <laughs> broker's license? Like which license do you get, you know, at birth? I mean, it's it's ludicrous. We have what, 85,000 or so people now in Ontario, if not pushing more. And, 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 and I do an awful lot. I mean, a large part of my business is where real estate agents get sued. I mean, I'm the guy they go to, to write these very nasty, very professional reports against the actions of an agent and sometimes for the agent to protect, defend the agent. The ignorance is unbelievable. We have no education. It shocked me once. I was standing in line once at, at, at the lunch, uh, trying to get something from, I think it was a subway or something like that. And up on the screen came an advertisement to get your real estate license. And I was, I, it, it was a RIA at the time. And I was surprised to see that. Why are we advertising to get your real estate license? I, I just, I remembered back uh, when my father was at a RIA, I just, he used to do videos. And these videos were actually, um, uh, educating people that real estate isn't necessarily maybe not the right thing for it. it's it's hard you know almost talking people out of it almost you know um, and now we're advertising to get into the industry I just thought that was interesting how it shifted at one point in time it just kind of shifted that focus those numbers always boggle my mind the number of members you have on Treb too because I'm from the Kingston area and I remember looking up ah. how many agents were on our local board and there's less agents on our board than there are at Aaron's offices <laughs> and I was like <laughs> I, I just kind of put it into perspective I was like really that's it I mean it's obviously a much smaller market but the, the oversaturation does speak to something yes the industry's changed a lot but you can still be successful right so like a lot of the the fundamentals which what we're talking about today, the fundamentals are still the same. So maybe what would you be telling people like you got to focus on in this day and age where like everyone has it, we're not the keepers anymore. We have to connect on a different level with our clients and to get that business. Like what do you typically tell your agents on how to tackle this? Well, I don't have agents anymore. I'm not the broker okay. of record. I'm a broker. I, I closed my own brokerage to join eight years ago and um, Remax Ultimate, and they asked me, uh, other brokers came to me right after and says, why didn't you join us? And I go, let me ask you a question. Did you ask me to join you? You know, that's a good lesson for brokers. Mm -hmm. um, one of um, the best real estate agents I ever met was working in a hotel and um, being a, like a gopher. He's carrying bags, he was a bellboy, he did everything. One day a real estate broker says, you got a great personality. And he made him come to see him after hours. Or the guy turned out to be one of the great real estate agents because the broker just brought in, he would see a waiter or waitress that was really good at what they did and says, let's talk. And he kept turning people into great agents. Um, the thing is that I teach, I mean, I teach a lot of people. And, uh, there's only so many basics in this business. I mean, the first one, of course, is you database everybody that you know. You keep in touch with everybody you know, and you stop only when one of you dies. That's it. That's it. I mean, the, you know, if I had to do, you know, the one thing that bothers me tremendously is that we didn't have the computerization to database everybody. In 1977, I bought my first computer. 
by 1980 in my office, I had 33 computers and a Unix operator on full-time staff. We didn't have out of the box software. We had to go, I flew to Denver, I uh, know to Phoenix, Arizona to get a custom guy to help us build a database because you've got to be out there because you know, Rolodex cards and um, if they know what Rolodex is, it was an old system, or shoe boxes and all this and recipe cards. By the way, any system works if you work it. It doesn't have to be fancy. There is no thing. There is no such thing as old school. Yeah. There's right school and wrong school. Yeah. Period. Yeah. That's a very interesting way to think about it too. Like I, I feel that like you're you're taking what the way that I've been looking at things. You're kind of turning them and and giving me a new perspective on it because in my head it, it always was you know things are progressing forward and and things are constantly changing but in a lot of ways they really aren't they're just you know you're putting a new sheen on things um but barry is there anything like along the way that you you found because like i know i've seen you in social media quite a bit like before the show i was like i gotta find out everything i can find out about barry lebo so i went through facebook and i had to scroll down forever because you post on a daily basis and you've obviously really embraced oh, yeah. social media. Is this something that you've like brought in to be a big part of your strategy? Because you seem to enjoy it from what I can tell. It started, I got a lot of business the first years. It's waned off. It's not as strong as it used to be. Um, my litigation part of the business, it really comes in strong because I'm the authority on that stuff. And it's just, I joke around, I go, ask me why I'm number one. Go ahead, ask me why I'm number one. Ask the question. Why are you number one? Because there's no number two. <laughs> Nobody else wants to do it. <laughs> so it's not an ego thing. It's just a reality thing. But in real estate as a broker, um, you know, you've got to be out there. But one of the things that people don't understand, I post a lot for one reason. When I'm not focused on my real estate brokerage business, I'm between, I'm doing reports for lawyers. They're extensive. They're 85 to 100 page reports. There are cases in law. I'm dealing with names and especially within the ethnic community, these names can, I have to write them all out, print them nicely because I'm using them over and over. And while I'm, it's so intense that after 15, 20 minutes, I look at my second screen, which is open, and I get into Facebook to get a breath of fresh air, do, 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 then go back to work again. And that's how I work. I, I need a break. Um, I don't smoke. I, I don't drink. I go to Facebook for a break, you know. <laughs> but um, social media is good. Um, it's fun. Uh, there's no question that I'd say the lady in my life and I, we've made tremendous friendships out of it because we go out to find people. I took a, 11 days to leave Toronto to go to Miami. 11 days. You're going to say, what kind of car was he driving? You know what I did? I zigzagged all through the United States going to see one real estate person after another real estate person to another one. I met some of the finest people ever. And one guy was, ex I sat there, I spent a now uh, a half a day in his office ripping apart his literature and helping him get in. And six months later, the guy died. And I felt like I was privileged to even meet with the guy. And that's what I did. 11 days on the road to get to Miami. Just want to say hello to people. Now, and then people say, who do you know, Barry, in, you know, South Carolina? Or who do you know in Atlanta? Or who do you know? 
I got the names. Not only, not somebody I met at some convention. These are people I sat and had dinner or lunch with. From what I've seen of your social media too, it, it seems like you have personal connections with almost everybody. You put up a post and people are talking and you're like, oh yeah, like this guy, that guy. And like, it's like all of them are your friends and close like, you know, they're really close to you. And I'm not sure if like you necessarily even know all these people like up close and personal, but it definitely seems like you've made all those contacts and you've, you've uh, really thrived in making this large, I, I, I guess social network is the best way to call it, but this network of people. Social networks very important. Of the 5,000 people that I'm connected with, I would say I know between 2,500 to 3,000 on a personal basis. That's crazy. But don't forget, I was teaching, but I taught with them. They were, they were in my classes. They were students and, um, you know, a student. I mean, they're not really, they, they took a course, you know, I mean, I, I, I get called into different brokerages and you get, you, that's, I hate zoom when I'm teaching. No offense to, I love it as a, as a medium. It's fabulous, but I don't want to do zoom. I want to be back in the classroom. I want to be, but I have never taught ever taught in a classroom that is open dialogue that I haven't walked out learning something. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about it off camera too. Like just having that face to face is so much more powerful than the, the pandemic we have of, of like having to text all the time, right? Like there's so many people that just want to text. That's all they want to do. Just pick up that phone, having that face to face conversation is so much more impactful. And, and Barry, I think you were saying you haven't used DocuSign in how long? Because you, you want to encourage that face to face. 16 to 18 months. I haven't used DocuSign at all. And not only now, here's something else. I've told the ladies in my office, one of the people I follow is a guy named Bill Cates. That's Cates with a C. Bill Cates is called the referral coach. He's um, I'm on his newsletter. Bill Cates' um, book on uh, Get Referrals Now is not good. It's exceptionally good. Bill Cates, I'm going to give you a, a tidbit that I got from Bill Cates. We, we, we do a deal. In the old days, the deal came in, and it was up to us to go to the lawyer as the agent and drop off all the papers to the lawyer. And that's how we did things, you know, carbon paper and send it off, take it to the lawyer. But you know what? We got to know the lawyers. We got to know the girls that work there and the clerks that work there. And we got to know the lawyers. When I moved over to this office that I'm at now, I've said to them more than once, don't email out any of the stuff. Just print it out. Give it to me. I'll take it down there. Now, what I'm looking for are the lawyers that I don't know. Or the lawyers that have done some business with over the past. Now, here's what Bill Cates taught me. I made a huge mistake in my career. I've corrected that mistake. We're, we're forgetting the pandemic for a minute. By the way, Aaron, you were excited about all the sporting event this weekend. Due to the pandemic, I was excited that we need a birthday card at the dollar store. You know, that was our day trip. <laughs> anyway, um, what, what happens is you go down and when this pandemic is over and we're back to norm, whatever normal will be in a new world, um, and it will be a new world. The the thing is that I want you can't the person let and sorry I'm not being bad here. Not nothing. Don't get come down on me as a uh, misogynist or whatever chauvinist. The girl at the front counter. It's usually a girl at the front counter. I walk in. She can't say yes to me, but she can say no to me. I'd like to see Mister or Mrs. Price, who's a lawyer at the firm. They won't let me in. 
But if I've got documents and I've called ahead and I've spoken to their assistant, no, I'm coming. I'd like to say hello to Mr. or Mrs. or Miss Ms. Price. Then they're waiting for me. And here's what I'm looking for. Not only am I trying to make an impression on them, and this is where Bill Cates comes in. Bill says, then you turn to them when you're finished your meeting. You say, by the way, I'm here. Are there any other lawyers in your office that you think I should meet to deal with real estate? Next thing you know, they're taking you almost by the hand. You go down the hall and you're meeting two people, three, one person. But that's people you never would have met. My whole farming is lawyers. When I when I closed my appraisal firm, my, my dad, I didn't close it, I sold it. When I walked for my appraisal firm, I had 1,500 lawyers in my database. Now my lawyers are down to 525 in my real estate base. That's, that's who I farm. And um, that's where my business comes from because um, I like repeat clients. So lawyers, 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 accountants, accountants, trustees, bankruptcy trustees, estate trustees. That's who I look for. I don't look for the public. I, I'm not well known by the public. I'm known by the lawyers, accountants. What percentage of your business is repeat and referral? now or has it always been that always been i i haven't called i haven't i've had maybe in 10 years two three cold of of anything i'm starting now because i'm in a dilemma now because i did so much in the senior field seniors boomers that are healthy buoyant people like my age i'll be 74 in a couple of weeks um we um we're not moving this, this COVID crisis, I can't take someone from their big empty nester house into a condo now because they're not moving. So all my business I did last year in 2020 was I had one person that voluntarily did a choice move. There's two. There's only two clients in my world. They're either by choice or by circumstance. Everybody was circumstance. I had a bunch of estates. Um, I like estates because dead people don't ask for open houses. Um, <laughs> That's 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 one thing. Number two, um, I had mum or dad who had a stroke or mum or dad are really in bad shape and they have to go into a care facility. Even during COVID, they have to move mum and dad. So I did about 25 senior. I've done in seven years, I've done 115 deals with seniors. That's including estates. So, you so know, you're having the, to shift the thing now. Is, uh, Oh yeah, it's now it's now it's hard because now um, I mean I'm not I'm not an ambulance chaser. I'm not gonna. What am I supposed to do? Send out literature after and check the obituary, see if they owned a house, and then send out something. That, I, I'm sure there's people that can do that. I'm not one of them, but I do have a book called and the Estate Guide: um, How to Sell an Estate that's advertised, and it says right on it. If you no obligation, Barry will never contact you. No one will contact you. If you want, here's his contact information. Because these people are in um, distress. They're emotional distress, everything. I have another one in this divorce the same way. I'm not going to go after these people. I just want to give them information. And, and then if they if they choose to use me, thank you. Know, thank you. But uh, I'm promoting that like crazy right now. And it says right on it, no one will call. No one will call. No one will contact. I don't want a pushy salesman.
Can I, I wanted to ask you a question. I mean, throughout your career, you've had obviously there's peaks and valleys in everybody's career. When you were uh, the biz, when you were the busiest, because I got a lot of agents in our office. You know, they're just running back and forth saying, "Aaron, I'm just too busy. I can't manage my personal life. I can't manage anything." You you mentioned, um, I think, on your bio uh, on your website there that you worked you know 12 to 14 hours a day. How do you balance? Oh, yeah. What's What's your key to balancing the work and life uh, situation? You know, how do you, how do you still? I get, do you just live real estate? Is that is that is that the key? Is just to live it, <laughs> or uh, how do you balance? No, I'm not obsessed. I'm not obsessed at all. Um, I find it. I first of all, I find this a very challenging business. I'm 53 years in real estate. I know 53 percent. I don't. Even, that's a lie. I just lied to you. I, I, I tell you why, because half of what I've learned is obsolete. So I've even learned less than 53% about this business. There is so much to learn, and I have a curious mind. This is true thing. I get up every day between 4.30 and 5 o'clock in the morning, every day. And that's not my choice, by the way. That's just the way my body is. <laughs> I'll go in. Um, I was sitting this morning at 5 o'clock watching Advanced PowerPoint. I learn and I take real estate classes and I, I look at stuff. So I'm learning and then I go back and I get another hour of sleep and I'm, and that's my day. There was a balance. So I, I had a father who was probably one of the greatest master salesmen of all. My father was not the best, the greatest father, not abusive or anything like that. My dad ate le and breathed everything about his real estate industry. He was a mortgage broker by profession, but a developer and everything. He had no time for me. He had no time to be a father. But as I got older, he was a mentor because now I'm in the same field and we can talk to each other. My kids aren't have anything to do with real estate. Um, the true story this is a sad story in a way. When my son got married 20, I don't even know what anniversary they got coming up. She shows you where I am. Um, we're sitting there, and my son is making a speech. He's talking to his mother. Then he's talking, going to make a shot about me. And you know, a little fun, a little jibe. And he says like this, my sister and I were the two luckiest kids in all of Toronto because we got to wait up every night till 11 o'clock for our father to come home. What kind of epitaph is that? <laughs> now, what I did was I recognized what was happening. I The kids were 12 and 13. I bought a Class B, that's not the giant one, the smaller one, motorhome. And during the week, I actually used it as a mobile office. And on weekends, we planned where we were going as a family. And real estate shut down completely. And I had a, I had a car phone in there. And it's still, I rarely took calls. I was, you have to shut it off. And if you don't, you yourself, or I don't care if you're single and listening to this, um, you're going to burn out. You've got to give yourself a mind bath. You've got to find some outlets. And I, you know, what is or whatever it takes to get an outlet, you've got to do it. And um, the business, yeah, I, my girlfriend, who's only eight, nine years in real estate, she's done extraordinarily well. She um, can't believe we go on vacation. We used to go on vacations. Now it's dollar store. <laughs> but um, we, whenever we traveled, I wouldn't talk real estate. I don't talk real estate when I'm away from the business. I'm out there. 
um, you know, we're in Prague, Czechoslovakia, Czech Republic or something. I'm like, I'm into the so like, tell me when this building was built and what's the history. I don't care about the real estate or whatever. I want to know the history and where I am and what I'm doing. Don't put me on a beach, by the way. <laughs> the first time my secretary and my wife at the time put me on a beach, they got together and conspired. I was seven years and I, I had a Century 21 franchise then. I was one of the first. And um, they put me on a beach down in the Bahamas and I'm sitting there and I'm on the beach. And she said to my wife, this is fun. Now, what do we do? She says, well, you lie here. I go, no, no, no. What do we do? Well, you, you, you enjoy this. I go, oh, uh, 10 minutes later. Now, what do I do? <laughs> well, okay, there's a boat out there. Just, but there's a boat close to shore. Why don't you swim around the boat? Okay, I go swim around. I swim around the boat. Then what? Now I come back. Now I dry out. Now what are you going to do? Then I found out the casino opened at that time. They weren't 24 hours. Oh, it's 11. The casino opens in an hour. I'll be dressed. I'll see you. You enjoy the beach. I'll see you. I'll do what I want to do. And that was it. You don't put this kid on a beach. Not even close. Not going to happen. I'm right there with you, Barry. I've I've never been one for just lying on the beach, too. I feel like I've all, I've. I'm more relaxed when I'm, when I'm doing something, right? Like I like to do activities and sports. I mean, the beach is fun because you can, you can play beach volleyball or whatever, but just lying there. I, I, I Uh, couldn't, I couldn't do that for too long. No. And you know, there's bicycles, go get a bike and, you know, go and see. And I I just, I'm I'm an explorer. I mean, um, you know, I mean, I, 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 one of the great pleasures I've ever had of being solo in the Everglades with a kayak. And I'm going through in these ton, ton, these tunnels. I look like a Tarzan movie, and I'm enjoying, and everything's great. And all of a sudden, I go, "Do snakes drop from the vines? And what about those big black spiders?" And all of a sudden, I started making like a motorboat, you know, like <laughs> I'm moving pretty fast. But um, I, I love that stuff, like you know. But to put me just lying around, ugh. But the idea that real estate, real estate, real estate, real estate, like we'll go. Here's something. Here's something. My ex-wife and my girlfriend find I have a very rude habit. The Canadians in general will say, we'll go to someone's house, people we've never been. First time we go to someone's house. And what does every Canadian host say to you? Would you like to see my home? And you know what? I go, no. <laughs> I don't want to see your home. I'm not, I'm not interested in your home. I've appraised some of the finest homes in Canada. I'm not interested in your home. Let me ask you, when you're in the houses, do you turn on and off other people's lights? Because I, I find myself, when I go into a house, <laughs> just turning on, I say, I'm sorry, it's a habit. You can turn your own light on. <laughs> oh, that's cute. No, I um, I, I really, I, I stay out and they start asking me questions about, I go, I'm not here to be a Rosie. I'm here to, I'm your friend. We're here for a friendly thing. I shut it off, guys. You got to shut it off. And you got to be, advice. you know, what's interesting. When I was growing up in the, in the fifties and sixties, I'm a small town boy. I grew up in um, Guelph when it was only 30, 35,000 population. Now it's like 135,000. And we were hicks. I mean, there was no 401. We were not connected well. You had took a big trip to come to Toronto, where all my family was. And you know what? When I was growing up, you never saw a parent in the stands. No parent came out to watch his kid play baseball, hockey, soccer, football. I never saw my parents any. They never saw me play anything. I think my dad saw me skate once because um, the, the coach was uh, our neighbor across the road. And uh, he'd played a former NHL, played for uh, 
uh, I think he played for Chicago. I can't remember now. But um, so, you know, nobody came. Now parents are so, the way parents are involved, oh, my God, guys, get a, also let them get a life. <laughs> I mean, screaming and yelling and ranting and raving. I, I, I grew up with a golf father. My father was a golf fanatic. Well, he's a salesman, so he had, he had to golf. I mean, if he's a salesman. Well, we were living in golf. There wasn't much to do. And he went to a guy and he said to the only pro in town, would you teach me how to golf? And within five years, he was better than the pro. And that pro was Andy Bathgate, a hockey hall of fame, captain of the New York Rangers, was on the uh, Stanley Cup team when with um, uh, Toronto when they won the Stanley Cup. Um, and Andy was a close personal friend of the family because we were all Guelph people. And I said to Andy years later, um, dad was already in his 80s. And my dad was golfing at the National, which is one of the greatest golf clubs in the country, into his late 70s and shooting his age. And I said one day, well, Andy, why did my father not turn pro? He was good enough. And he goes, because it was like a business to him. He was too obsessed, too focused, too on it. And I think... That's why I didn't like golf enough because I enjoyed the game and I didn't take it seriously enough. It was never something I was really into heavy. And yet I got friends, they treat golf like it is that obsessive business as they become obsessed with it. You can't get obsessed with anything, guys. I got another question for you, Barry. Just kind of the flip side. We're, just, we're talking about like how to turn it off when you're busy. One thing I'm, I'm mm. more curious about is, is what – I'm sure you've been through tough times as well on the other side of things. Sure. Yeah, exactly. That that reaction tells it all. But you've been through probably multiple stretches where, you know, the market's been really rough or or whatever. Like how how do you find yourself getting through that mentally or even just professionally to to try and weather those storms? The first time I got wiped out at 26 I was a millionaire. I owned I was a, I I brokering everything i had 50 i had 33 houses the day the ontario government in 1974 brought in the land speculation tax i got wiped the next day i owed over a million dollars the houses dropped that much in value Jeez. and i spent the next couple of years i was in the hole over a million now a million 74 is probably like five six million today um you have no idea how i worked and what i did and how i did it but I was so, I would go out, I would go to police stations and bakeries and I went anywhere there were shift workers and I went and put notices on their bulletin boards. I'd go to the police sergeant, sergeant, you got a lot of cops here that can't see houses during the day because the shift, can you put this notice up? And I would say, I can show you houses between midnight till six in the morning. And I did that with bakers and cops, and I would have a list of vacant houses. And it was so funny to phone a LePage office and say, hi, I'd like to book an appointment. <laughs> sure. And what time, please? Uh, 2.30 a.m. And, and the lady at the other end would go, okay, that no, no, sir, 2.30 p.m. You mean? I go, no, 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 2.30 a.m. I would put in those kind of hours. I sold 100 houses my first year in real estate. I was 21. And I had a work ethic. But here's something else. Um, in 74, I got wiped out financially. I came back. I was buying real estate again in 80s. And in the 80s, we hit 21, not three-quarter percent. I got wiped out again. And then in the 90s, and I'm not ashamed of the story. It's a long story, and it was not my fault. 
Um, I got defrauded, and by the time it was over, I was in the hole $3 million, and I lost my 27-year marriage. Um, I have been so broke in my life, and I've told this story. It's called Barry Lebo, My Fucked Up Life. I've told this story a few times. I have a, I have a presentation I do once in a while. And um, I was so desperate at one time that we used to return bottles for five cents a bottle. I had to scrounge around to get milk for the kids. Because I didn't, have, I didn't know where my first and last month rent was coming. When I had to sell the house, so I've been down. But here's the thing: number one, you're entitled to everybody's entitled to a self pity party. Everybody is. Number two, have the self pity party. Number three, never invite another person to come to that party. Number four, it's got to be the shortest party on record. No matter how I worked, if I was out to five o'clock in the morning showing a cop or a fireman. A house, nine o'clock would be my all time. Um, that would be the bar. I'd have to be in my office no later than nine o'clock because you start over again. And what do you do every single day? You do the basics. You do the basics. I won't mention a name right now because um, I don't want to uh, single anybody out. One of the top agents I know in, in your area, almost one of the top agents of all, he puts in every day two, three hours of cold calling. He doesn't need it. He's got a team. He's got everything. That's what he does. And, and, and that's a rigid rule. No matter what he does in life, he cold calls. He's a Mike Ferry um, student. There's something else. You need a coach. You need a coach. Most people do. Because why, pe why do people fail? Here's something. Aaron, you know this as a broker. Um, as a broker... You don't, you know, it's like an adult daycare center, but that's another story. Um, you wonder sometimes why do people fail in real estate? Like, really, you sit back and you go, why do they fail? And there's so many reasons for it. But the number one reason, they don't become a student of this business. You've got to be a student of this business. You can't learn enough. You've got a mentor. You've got to, that's why. These, this, these new virtual offices, I can't even grasp why anybody would belong, belong to one. You want the camaraderie. You're going to need to break bread. You've got to hear the stories. You've got to get the advice. You've got to be with people. You can't detach yourself. It's not a business to detach yourself from. We're getting more and more detached. That's, the, that's bad. Discipline, 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 and a diary. Believe me, I'm, I, I had everything. I mean, I'm a, I had a car phone in 71. I've had every, if it's got bells, diodes, and wills, and whistles, I buy it. I don't even know how to use it. I've got, <laughs> I could show you right now three things on my desk. I have no idea how to use them, but I wanted them. They shine. They, they light up. They look cute. I put everything I had on my first two iPhones. I think this is fifth, sixth iPhone I've had. And... I lost it. All of a sudden, I woke up and the data was gone. Everything was gone. I am using a day timer 101%. I write down all my ideas. I, I, I'm, if I don't do something today, if I'm, I have to do a newsletter, I have to do a newsletter. Um, to, I have a thousand real estate agents that are outside of Toronto to get a newsletter from me about things, and I want to be their Toronto real estate source. And you know what? I didn't do it on um, to Monday, so it gets striked out and goes into Tuesday. I didn't do it on Tuesday. It goes into Wednesday until I do it. And you go forward and forward. I find you can't write your thoughts down properly on, on electronic devices. And I've had them. I had a Palm Pilot. I had it all.
it's crazy. You're not the first person we've had on the show that's actually said something very similar. I believe it was Lisa Patel, the president of Treb, she was saying it's just so much more powerful to like have a daytime and you write things down because if you write it down, you're gonna do it. Whereas like you know if it's if it's an electronic, it's not as like you don't feel like you've accomplished as much when you scratch it off, you know, and move on to the next thing because it's just virtual. There's not as tangible. So, so Barry, I've got well, my calendar. My calendar's up to date, though. Mike, mm. I do have my appointments and everything. Mm. That that you know, I get the notices. That's different. Yeah, obviously, there's a balance there. Um, but I do have yeah. one. The probably the most important question. I always try and save these for the end. So hopefully, you're prepared. Are you prepared for this question, Barry? Sure. I can tell you're a little bit nervous. Okay, so if we no, I've never this heard. is a fun one. So let's say we took a time machine. We went back to 1960. Yeah. There's two cars sitting in front of you, both brand new, fresh off the line, a Daimler SP250 and an Austin Healey 3000. Which one would you take for a spin <laughs> first? Oh, the Healey. Why is that? I was I had my Healey for 14 years. I that was one day I'm washing my Austin Healey. And my son's girlfriend comes up. She says, oh, you're washing the car. I go, no, I'm not. I'm making love to this car. <laughs> Amazing. You know, I, want, I, I learned to drive on a Daimler. I learned to drive stick shift on a Daimler. But um, the Jag was my all-time. My friend, I had a, kid, a friend of mine who became a classical. He went, ran off to Spain to study with Segovia. Now, Segovia is the greatest classical guitarist probably the 20th century. He was very famous. And my friend studied with him. At 14, um, he was driving around Toronto in a Jaguar, old Jaguar, um, that um, no license, no insurance, just 14-year-old kid driving around. Nobody ever stopped him. And I fell in love with Jaguars. I fell in love with, I swore I'd have a Jag. And um, I've had now six of them, I think, six or five or six. And I, I just, I love cars. You know, I don't care where I live. I can live in a, I don't give a, I can live in a basement apartment, but never give me a bad ride. Barry, I can't wait to read your self-biography or autobiography. Yeah, do it. Can't write it because too many of the women are still married. <laughs> well, one day I'm sure we'll get it and I'll be the first in line to get a copy. I, I think I'm a, I think I'm a certified lesbian. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> and I have no idea how that works, but you know what? There's there's no better there's no better place to to end off a show than that fantastic <laughs> comment by Barry Lee. <laughs> never had someone say that. No, never. No, no I've never yeah, been yeah, caused yeah. off no. guard as I just have been right now. <laughs> but any- wow, you know something? The older you get, you just say you don't give a damn anymore. You just let it flow <laughs> because nothing. You know, um, I, I mean. I sat with a seller recently and I just looked at him. I said, geez, this is what we need. Another greedy seller. And he, I'm not greedy. I go, yeah, you are. You actually are. This is not the reality. And this is what, and we got the listing. We sold the property. I say, yeah, I, uh, we, me, I, but I'm not afraid. I could never do that when I was a kid. By the way, one other thing for anybody that's listening, that's been in real estate a lot of years, you got to mentor other people whatever i do a lot of free education you know why because many people gave to me you have no idea how many people were so extraordinary that went out of their way to give to me and um i gotta pay them back because they're all gone now 
all, with the exception of one. One person's still here, but the rest of them, they were unbelievable and um, just amazing people with and such a sense of ethics and 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 just what can I tell you? It, it, it means an awful lot, you know. When you when you give back, it's like you're repaying the people that did it for you. It's important to keep that flow of knowledge continuing, right? Like you don't want the buck to stop with you. You like to pass it along and 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 educate everyone else. It's, there's nothing more satisfying. You can't be a professional unless you pass it on. You have a professional. Pa- I'm not in the real estate business. I'm in the real estate profession, and that's where the problem is. Aaron, I know you're you're shaking your head yes because you know you are in the profession of real estate. And that's where the problem is. There are some people that's come into it for the industry. They're carpetbaggers. They're here for the commission. And the commission with me is a byproduct of what I do. I mean, I, I'm in it for the testimonials. I tell the clients up front, I'm here for one reason and one reason only. I want you to be so happy with me that um, you're going to give me a testimonial. I said, that's my whole purpose here, just to get a testimonial, make you happy. And that's all I shoot for. Some people won't. You can do a great job. They just don't give testimonials. Well, I think you've unintentionally sold me. I almost want you to be my next agent, Barry. Sorry, Aaron. You've been bumped down the list a little bit. (laughs) I may charge more than you. (laughs) That's all all right. I feel like it'll be worth every single penny. (laughs) I I, I don't have to cut it's it's good I don't sell anymore. I just pass the knowledge, right, Barry? That's yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not. I don't. I don't actively sell anymore. So you go ahead, there, Linus. You, I, I, you use a good salesperson like Barry any day of the week. <laughs> you know, Aaron. I I'll tell you what. I had a failure. I had a huge failure in real estate. I bought one of the very first. Gary Charlwood came and sold me one of the first Century Twenty One franchises. And I like Gary. Gary's a great guy. Uh, you, mm-hmm. Gary Charlotte. Never forget the you. I never figured yeah. that one out. But anyways, yeah. Gary, Gary um, and I and, and I wasn't cut out for it. And I know it. Um, I was more of a commercial guy and I would do my own thing. I'm a salesman. I'm a terrible manager. I was a terrible manager. I made every mistake in the book. The, being a manager in real estate, there's two of the hardest jobs in real estate are the young lady or the young man who sits at the front desk and answers the phone at the front desk and running the office. Those are the two single hardest jobs in all of real estate. And um, I could not do either of them well. And um, when I was managing um, my own office, my own brokerage, I tried to motivate unmotivated people and I didn't spend enough time with the winners. So I was trying to create people that weren't motivated to be motivated. And it obsessed me. Why are you in a commission business when you're not motivated? And I, I, I don't grasp it. A lot of people fail into real estate. It's, it's always boggled my mind too. Like, like you said, you, you kind of. Three, four deals a year and they, they, got, they won the lottery, you know? Yeah, you, you reap what you sow. You, you put the work in and, and it'll come back to you. But some, there's, so, there's so many lazy people in this, in this industry. It, it's oh. kind of surprising. And the public, you, they got a choice between, you know, somebody with all kinds of knowledge and good track record and everything, and they pick somebody who's sold one house in all of, you know, 19, 1999 was their last great sale, you know? And they choose them. What? Yeah, they're trying, trying to save a buck instead of, uh, instead of trying to make the right decision, right? It's, you know. <sighs> I don't get it's it. It's crazy. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't. 
I really don't understand. I don't understand the public. You know, if I die tomorrow and you do have those, whatever, some well, something's going to be the last words out of my mouth. And my, I hope if I'm if I'm on the deathbed, and I got that scene. I want to turn to my daughter or my son and just go. I never understood human nature. I don't get it. I don't get people. I don't think anyone ever has, Barry. I don't think anyone ever will. No, I know. I know. But I wish I could, Barry. I think we're going to start wrapping up the show. I feel like we could literally sit here and talk forever. So unfortunately, I'm going to cut it cut a little bit short here. But for all those listening and all those watching, thank you so much. If you like the show, subscribe to our show. You can do it pretty much wherever you find podcasts online. Please don't forget to leave us a five-star review if you like what you saw or like what you heard on those sites because it really does help. You can check out our website, livingthedream.show, where you can find and you can check out and listen to all of our shows. Or you can also head over to our YouTube channel at youtube.livingthedream.show to watch our podcast video streams on demand. If you'd like to get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us anytime at podcast at livingthedream.show. Thanks again, Barry. Thanks, Aaron. Everyone, thanks for watching and thanks for listening. Have a great week. Have a great pandemic, folks. (laughs)